You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. The only people for me are the mad ones. The world is filled with the boring and the barely conscious. Misery loves company. But we don't have to live this way. Jessica and I are here to talk to those the system rejects, to radicals and thought criminals. The ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but push the boundaries of acceptable discourse. Those who stare reality in the face and dare it to be different. History isn't made by the timid, and fun is not had by the perpetually afraid. We are the mad ones. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Mad Ones. I'm your, I've been told that this shirt is coral, but I'm colorblind, so I just have to trust my wife, host Cam Harless. (laughs) And with me, as always, is your soup season begins whenever she wants it to begin, hostess Miss Jessica Green. How are you doing, Jessica? I'm doing wonderful. How are you today, Cam? In your core, your very handsome coral shirt. I, I, well, the good thing about the coral shirt is, you know, if I wear the black, the hair doesn't show up, and that's what people come for the hair Uh. and the beard. They do. That's true. So that's the only reason they're here. And so, I mean, this just makes it easier. Um, Our entire audience is beard based. So it's true. It's true. Completely beard based. (laughs) I get it. I got it from my dad. Um, So uh, before we get started, I do want to just quickly say if you like um, really great beef jerky, check out righteousfelon.com and use promo code MADONES to get 10% off. And you can get all sorts of great flavors of beef jerky. In addition to that, as Jessica was raising her coffee cup to show you, if you love coffee, they have some great coffee over at Run Your Mouth Coffee, rymcoffee.com, promo code the mad ones. You get 10% off that as well. I mean, why not? They have some great coffee. They have some that's like um, aged in bourbon barrels. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's so good. I, mm. But let me go ahead and uh, introduce our guest for tonight. Uh, it's actually a very special guest. Uh, so I would really rather everyone in the comments, everyone that's going to say anything to be on your P's and Q's and watch your language. Uh, our guest works day in and day out helping women who have been through the tragedy of abortion. Her mission is to help them find the cross, forgiveness, forgive themselves, and to be set free from the pain that comes from having an abortion. So please welcome the woman who expelled me from her loins about 33 years ago, my mother and the executive director of Abortion Recovery Alabama, Miss Cindy Harless. <laughs> How you doing, Mama? I can still feel the pain of, it, of, of you coming out of my loins. Ah! <laughs> now, inquiring minds would like to know if he had the beard already when he came out. Absolutely. Yes. Right, he came yeah. out with the beard. Of yes, course. He was a, now I do, have, but, but I do have a, a picture of him as a baby. I thought we would try to embarrass him as much as possible while I was here. Yes. So here we go. Here's the baby picture. Aww. Oh, wasn't he cute? Yes. Yes. He was a horrible child though. Um, <laughs> he, He's a horrible he, adult. <laughs> <laughs> he had colic when he was little, so we called him Pooterbutt. So that is his nickname was Pooterbutt. Uh, you told me I could hey, say anything. I'm going to call you. <laughs> I will call you Pooterbutt for the rest of the time that I know you. You can count on that. <laughs> Oh, thank you for telling me that. Oh, he had several. He also had the nickname Kamikaze Cam 
because wherever he went, he would be on a, a, a couch or something and he'll just throw himself and just, you're supposed to catch him. And half the time you're just walking past the couch and all of a sudden this little animal comes <laughs> running at you. <laughs> you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to drop him. And so I have, I have three of those in my house right now yeah. doing the same thing. <laughs> That's that's the revenge of the gods is that whatever kind of child you are, they send you three times as much of that. So enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not looking forward to all of it because you know, I was actually a pretty good kid. I just wasn't a compliant child. I had this realization not that long ago um, that you would you would call my older brother uh, talk about how compliant he was. And then I always, I always took that as some kind of insult. And then now in this day and age, the way that I am and, you know, how I kind of buck up, buck up against kind of stuff that's not good. I'm like, you know, maybe a little lack of compliance isn't a horrible thing. You know what I mean? Like may maybe this wasn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> and I'm not going to say anything else about that now. Okay. <laughs> We will just cut that conversation right there with your older <laughs> brother. Yes. Twitter is really happy that they know this name now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was just a little gassy when he was young. I don't know what to Still say. Am. Still am. <laughs> my wife, my wife says that it was a mistake to homeschool me because I never learned how to make my farts quiet. <laughs> Did she know that I I didn't start homeschooling you two we were in the yeah, eighth grade? But, but the joke isn't as good if you if you include all of the background oh. information. Okay. Woo! <laughs> <clears throat> so um the part one of the reasons that I had you on besides the fact that I love you and that you're gorgeous and you look just like me is that what you do as a job is something that I've always been very proud of. Um, not, not a lot of like, so when it comes to the pro-life conversation, there are few people that I know who have had as in-depth a study of it or an experience with it as I have, since that's been your, ministry and your mission since I was a baby. Like there are pictures, I don't know if you have any with you, but there are pictures of me as like a very young toddler at um, the March for Life and stuff like that. Wow. So it's something that I've always deeply cared about. And it's something that I've always uh, been extremely strong on. Like that's a hill I'll die on. Um, there are a lot of hills I won't die on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but uh, I am I am proud of what you do, and what you did for years and years was you um, helped women who were considering abortion, and that was most of my life. Was you were a counselor for for women who were in dire straits and were considering having an abortion. You would help them uh, make that decision not happen. You'd help them to choose a different path than uh, killing their child. And uh, that was always like you're every time y'all had a um, what's it called a fundraiser. It was always on my birthday for some reason, but <laughs> it was, wasn't it? <laughs> like every year, um, it, was but, always on. it was always on my birthday. Um, but Did you want to tell everybody your birthday so they'll send you gifts. It's coming I mean, up. It, it's yeah, it's next month. If you want to send me gifts, you can. <laughs> 
I will, I will provide the information you need. Um, but no, it, so you did definitely that for won't number... abuse this information at all. <laughs> um, but you did that for a number of years, most of my life. And then how many years ago did you shift your um, ministry and your calling? Um, actually, I didn't shift so much because um, it's very interesting that you talk about it has been all your life because I've asked you that before. When did you know about abortion? I could because I mean, a lot of women have to say, OK, I got to tell my kids, you know, and I remember asking you that question. You said, well, I've just always known. Literally always. It, you just, you knew. And, and that's interesting because um, I had had an abortion in 1977 and that was only four years after Roe v. Wade was um, made abortion legal in the United States. Mm -hmm. And when, so it wasn't like a common thing. I mean, I don't know. I was 18. I didn't watch the news. If it was on the news, I didn't know it. And I really didn't know what abortion was. But when I went down there um, it, and had the abortion, and then it was 12 years later, actually, when you were born in like 90, in, in 89, 90, um, that someone... But you know that I was born in 1988, though, right? You remember that it's 88, right? That's close enough. Don't interrupt her. <laughs> Please continue. Sorry. <laughs> You know, I think you're right. I think you were born in 88. It's true. <laughs> Your dad and I both messed you up along the way, haven't we? Yep. <laughs> you got to tell him about the time you went to basketball. <laughs> we'll get to that. But, okay, sorry, I'm sorry. I, I derailed. I derailed. Um, so in <laughs> around the time I was born. It was about 12 years after, and someone at church had told me about a, a group to go to. And I went to the group and it was like six weeks. I didn't even know I needed help. I didn't even know I had issues, but like with the word abortion coming up or I saw it on TV at that point, my, my stomach would not up. And I was like, okay. And I just really felt like God said, you got to do something about it. And when this lady said, go to this group, I just went to the group. I was obedient. And, and uh, it, I cried for like six weeks. But when I got on the other side of that, I was a different person and it completely changed me. That is when I knew that this was my ministry and this is what I would do eventually. All the other stuff I did up until that time of, of um, like 2006, when I started teaching um, this was in, I, God was just preparing me and giving me the steps so that I would know how to run a ministry, how to do fundraisers. Um, and plus I was raising my family at the time. So it wasn't okay. until my youngest went into school that I started volunteering there. And then in 2006, I started teaching forgiven and set free. Right. <clears throat> That's very interesting that you talked about not knowing that you needed help. Cause I think that, um, in abortion, especially like, and I think it may even be worse than the culture that we have today is there's not much in the way of like aftercare or support for women who do have this procedure. And so you're either supposed to be shouting your abortion because you're so proud that you've had this done or mm. you're shamed into silence and you're not supposed to ever speak of the, the, the terrible thing you've done. 
And that doesn't leave women who find themselves, you know, a decade later in terrible regret. Like, what do I even do with this terrible burden that I'm holding on to? And, you know, I think that's um, really something that a lot of women need to hear about, that there is support because they don't they don't tell you that yeah. they just do it and then they set you off on the street and there you go. And, and that's really true. They don't they don't usually uh, offer any kind of follow up for emotional or spiritual issues. And a lot of times you'll go to the church and you'll get judged. I mean, let's yep. be real. You know, the church has not done a very good job of ministering to women like me. And after I had the abortion, I went in a downward spiral and started doing drugs and, and drinking and partying. And, you know, I was promiscuous. And so I went down a really bad road until I actually felt like I was suicidal um, and about that time is when I actually, um, my sister came and shared, um, Jesus with me. And when she did, I, I got saved and I don't know if you guys want me to go into my testimony or not. Yeah, but, absolutely. Well, it, it was just, I, I got in that downward spiral and, um, I just thought I'm working to buy food, to eat, to go back to work. And it was like, a like, it was just a cycle and I, there was nothing to it, you know? And, um, by that time I was, I was doing pills and I was smoking. I know you guys call it weed now, but we used to call it pot back in the day. And, um, yeah, they make fun of me when I say I was smoking pot now. Um, but when I tell my story to the girls, but, um, when I, um, my sister had gone to Mississippi and she, while she was there, she had found an intimate relationship with Jesus. Now we had grown up in the Methodist church, but I had not ever had a, a, a relationship with Jesus. And when mm -hmm. she came back, um, I walked, um, I went to church with her. I finally broke down and went to church. And when I went to church with her, I remember walking in, it was kind of a hazy, I don't know if it was the depression that was going on or if it was the drugs or whatever. But when I walked into the church, I looked at these other people and they were happy. And I thought they've got something that I don't have and whatever it is, I need it. Yeah. And I went and at that day they had an altar call and I went up and when they and and I I'm one of those people that I had so much I felt dirty I felt nasty I felt used I felt I just unworthy just hopeless and that day I could actually feel the sin just being taken off of my shoulders and at that point you know, I became this crazy radical Christian who ran around telling everybody about Jesus. And then all my drug buddies dropped me and my drinking buddies dropped me and they all got mad at me. So, you know, but uh, I moved on. But when I walked out of the door of that church, I'm telling you, the grass seemed greener and the sky seemed bluer than it was when I came in. I I was truly a new creation in Christ. It, it was just it was just it was one of those really. Oh, oh, my goodness salvation not everybody like cam he was saved when he came out of my loins like he said to begin with you know but you know some of us take a longer route yeah you yeah. and you and dad uh, yes which which you know not to you know down the converse the conversation you know his the anniversary of him passing is this month 
Yes. And, you know, his, uh, his testimony, his change was I like, it was, it's, it's an interesting thing growing up in a family where both of the parents had radical changes in their lives or they had radical interactions with Christianity, with Jesus, um, with the Holy spirit, because we're charismatic. <laughs> um, and so my dad used to be a, a heroin addict and, um, he, went through teen challenge and, and you know, he had just as a um, major <coughs> moment as my mom had, except his was, he was when he was, so he got saved one night at teen challenge, which is a kind of drug rehabilitation program. That's Christian. That's out of the assemblies of God yeah. church. Um, he was withdrawing from heroin. And so he got saved that night. He went to bed he slept for three days and then woke up past the withdrawals. Ah, and so crazy. like, there's, you know, there's that story there's my mom's. And so it's, it's this interesting place. I was raised by radicals. And so mm -hmm. to not be radical in my own way is like, that would be me rebelling. <laughs> there's something, there's something very powerful to that three days, like that he slept for three days. Cause it reminds me so much of Lazarus in the tomb for three days. And then he's risen Jonah. Christ in the tomb for three days, Jonah. Yeah. And so it like, to me, that like really shows the hand of God working in that, that, you know, you're down for three days and then you come back up risen, exalted, a new person, illuminated, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, that's, that's a powerful story. For sure. And so I come from powerful stories. And so I think that that's partially why I am the way that I am. Well, I mean, it's fully mm -hmm. the way why I am the way that I am. But on top mm -hmm. of that is I really love story and I love narrative. I love testimony. I love these things. And that's why it's always so disappointing when Christians or, you know, back in my libertarian days, libertarians couldn't tell a story for their lives. And it always was so frustrating. You can, my, my mom, ask her how many times I said bad things about flywheel and uh, uh, what's that other one? Facing oh, the giant. Facing the giant. <laughs> yeah. There were some pretty, pretty beef flicks out there. Yeah. I get it. <clears throat> yeah. But one of the things you said was how the church hasn't treated women who've had abortions very well as well. And that's something that, as a man, I haven't noticed as much because I've not, I've not had that experience. I've never had it. But what is interesting to me is that I didn't notice it through you, my mother. I noticed it through Jessica and how when she's talked about abortion and regretting abortion, uh, there are these people who call themselves Christians who come out and call her a murderer, who assign that label to her, who call her these terrible names. And we were having a conversation the other day and I was like, I can, I can't tell you what this is or the specific name, but it's not Jesus. And if a Christian does that to you, another Christian that, that is, that comes from the devil. <laughs> and so, you know, that's, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those conversations that I think needs to happen because people will not let women regret abortion. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, I think like, that that's a travesty. Full disclosure to our audience. I had a pregnancy terminated when I was a teenager when I was 19 years old, uh, not entirely different than Cindy's story. 
um, afterward, there was not a lot in the way of aftercare or support. And I went down a path of drinking and drugs and, you know, gallivanting and pretty much pain avoidance in every form that it would take. And it wasn't until, you know, I'm 38 now and only in the last three years have been experiencing a spiritual conversion toward Christianity that I've actually been able to, first of all, quit smoking pot. <laughs> um, and when you do that, all of the things that you were using drugs to push down below the surface sort of come mm -hmm. bubbling back up to the surface and you have to deal with them. And one of the major things, of course, is the fact that I, I had an abortion, I had a, a pregnancy terminated. And um, there are people from my current church who do watch my podcast with Cam. And so when I knew that we were doing this episode, I started to become nervous because I thought, mm. okay, people from the church are going to find out about this. They're going to know my dark secret. Um, while I have been able to be open in sort of like the secular arena on, on Twitter, I've talked openly about, I've had an abortion. I deeply regret it. They don't want women like me to tell our stories, but we are out there. So I have, have been open in that regard, but the idea of my church community finding out about it was really difficult for me. And so um, actually a couple of days ago, I ended up sort of like tearing off the Band-Aid in that regard. And I talked to a woman from my church about my story. And I was a mess, you know, telling her. I was standing in her driveway, like bawling my eyes out about it. And she was so understanding and and really wanted me to know like, hey, do you know you're not the only one? Um, mm -hmm. there are others in our church like this. Um, mm -hmm. I still love you. And, you know, these are all things that, uh, women who are like sort of living in that regret, they don't know that they can reach out for that. They don't, you know, and the thing that you just said, Cindy, that really struck me was the, the feeling dirty, feeling mm -hmm. polluted. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I, there are times when I'm not even able to pray because I feel so, unworthy and so polluted mm -hmm. and as cam cam's been like a rock with this stuff because i've been able to be open with him and talk uh, weirdly he's a man and i'm able to like <laughs> talk to him about this stuff but he has told me like that's not sure. jesus you know that's not you know that's something else that's mm -hmm. not the people who come after you and want you to be like this i had a guy on twitter it was really important to him that i said to him i am a murderer and he needed me to say that to him. And Cam was like, no, that's not Christ. You don't need to confess to him, you know? So, you know, we're really stuck in limbo. Women who have had done this and regret it feel like they're pro-life. I'm now pro-life, even though I've had an abortion, I don't know where I stand in the world. Mm -hmm. And so his thing was, hey, do you wanna talk to my mom? And I was like, <laughs> I said, yes, but I think everyone should talk to your mom. I, it's not just me who needs to hear this. It's mm -hmm. so many women that they just, both sides of the aisle, whether you're conservative or liberal, just don't want to even acknowledge that we exist. Right. And um, I guess if I could maybe ask you to mm -hmm. elucidate, when women come to you, like, what are you telling them? What what are some things that if there are women who are going to listen to this episode who are stuck in that limbo, not feeling like they can reach out, feeling polluted, like they can't even 
lift their eyes up to to pray what 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 do you tell them you know what are some of the things that uh, like a a broken woman like me might come to you what what might you say well one thing that that i like to to re always realize is that everyone's unique everybody comes from a new unique situation so what i may say to one woman i may not say to another depending on what's going on but i will say this that the blood of jesus either the, is the blood of jesus and it covers all sin or it doesn't co cover any sin at all so you're you guys this guy that's trying to tell you to say that you're a murderer or whatever he all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if if my sin of of murder that I have confessed to the Lord to the Lord is not covered in the blood, then none of his are covered in the blood either, and he won't be going to heaven either. So he I needs am. to really get a, a check, you know. <laughs> and I can get a little irritated with people <laughs> when they say things. Oh, get like irritated, that. yeah. <laughs> Because I'm like, seriously, you know, you, you've walked on water, you know, I don't think so. Show me the scars in your hand. Okay, I'm going too far now. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I have only been in like a couple of fights in my life and they were all kid crap. But there's one instance that almost became like a real life adult man fight. And that was when I was in college, we went through an ethics class. I don't know if I've told you this or not before, mom. Um, but we were in an ethics class. And my roommate at the time uh, was taking that. And uh, he is like the only person I've ever met that's been pro-life that has talked about punishing women for abortions. Mm -hmm. Because that is not the pro-life stance, especially not the Christian pro-life stance. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we went through this ethics class and we were just, we, we were driving at night at some point and um he made the statement that um any woman that has had an abortion he wishes he could punch them in the face and he would punch them in oh the face God. right now and to tell you i i grabbed you know who guy. i'm talking about it was my my first roommate and mm -hmm. uh, a, a good kid otherwise mm -hmm. but uh i will tell you that he did not expect my hand on the back of his <laughs> neck squeezing not not joking just like and I, I, you know, and I said, say it again. And he goes, what? And I go, say it again. You're talking about my mom. If you're going to say it, say it again. Let's, let's get this over with. And he goes, I, uh, oh, um, I think, I think I might be wrong. Because I'm, you know me, I'm this affable, happy, not fighty dude. But like, right. if I, if I get to that point, I become a little intimidating. <laughs> Yes, and he yes. had never seen that part of me before, which I get from my dad, um, <laughs> which is a very intimidating thing. Yes. Holy yeah. cow. Um, but he hadn't had that. And that was the that was the one time I was willing to have a literal beat someone to death moment. <laughs> and it was all because they talked about my mama. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you have to realize that 67% of women wouldn't have abortions if they didn't feel like they were pressured into them. If, if they had a man that stands beside them and says, hey, let's have this baby or a mom or, or dad or family that they feel like they can talk to, they if they have a network, they have a support system 
But, and I'm not saying that everybody's going to make that choice, but like I said, 67% of women feel like they're pressured into having the abortion. The guy blows it off. Um, and the number one, something like, and I just heard this at a conference I went to something like 89% of women said that if the father of the baby had stepped up and said, Hey, I want to keep this baby. I will do, I'm, I'm not saying to get married. Okay. I'm not, don't hear me saying that, but if I will help you have this child that, um, that that woman would have had that baby. And so there's a big movement now for men who have been part of an abortion experience to get healing as well, because some men actually have issues um, when they come out mm -hmm. on the other side. I know with my particular case, I went to every like adult in my life because at 19, you're not an adult, no matter what the, the law says, at least in this day and age, I was not a fully formed adult at that point. And I went to every adult in my life. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And every single one of them was, I don't know, I can't tell you. And I had no guidance whatsoever. And I felt extremely alone and was like there's just no way i can have a baby i i wouldn't know what to do with a baby like you know just absolutely um lost uh as for how i would take care of the child what i would do you know i was um i my boyfriend was abusive and i mm. had fled the country to oh get my. away from my abusive boyfriend i was in a foreign country living with people that i barely knew that were strangers and then found out that I was pregnant. Now, I'm not making excuses. I still made a decision. I'm responsible for it. However, I do think that there's some truth to a lack of support structure is like, mm -hmm. this seems like your only option. It seemed it almost at the time seemed like the responsible thing to do. Right. And little did I know that, you know, 10 years, 20 years down the line, it was going to come back like a hit you like a Mack truck. Yes. the enormity of the decision that you had made when you were a teenager. Right, and right. yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. And, and that reminds me, I, I really wanted to read this little excerpt and I just, I, this, uh, I've got a book this thick that I go through with the girls, but I felt like I was supposed to read this one and it's yeah. the biblical perspective on post-abortion distress. And it says God created human life. He places a sacred value on mankind because men and women are the only creatures made in his own image. God gives every mother a nurturing instinct and a natural bond with her children that begins the moment she conceives. Abortion is a choice to reject the maternal bonding, damages this very strong God-given maternal instinct. And this is the part that's always just touch me. Um, it, it said, even an animal which has no moral consciousness pays a price when its offspring are aborted. For example, a veterinarian advised a family that their dog might experience a change in personality, refuse to eat or become aggressive or withdrawn if her puppies were aborted. How much greater are the consequences in a human being, one of God's image bearers? Right. Can I, I, I want to just briefly talk about the idea of being an image bearer, mm -hmm. because I think that 
there's a lot of confusion about what that means. Like, you know, there are some people who think that means people can think. It thinks that people look like God in some way, like physically, like all of these different things. But if you actually, I just want to say this because it's such an important point and something that was so important when I came to, when I read this and came to this conclusion, um, is the word that's used, it's the, a better transla translation would be an imager of God. It's a job as well as a description. Mm -hmm. So what we are meant to do as humans is to create, to tend mm -hmm. the garden, to, to be fruitful and multiply, and to, like, we're, we are taking part in the creation story of God when he's resting. Mm -hmm. And so I do think, sorry for that random tangent, but I think it's mm -hmm. important that people realize that it's not just a description, but it's a job description. It's what we're mm -hmm. supposed to be doing. And mm -hmm. so uh, I've talked about this in uh, with different people in the past, the, the idea that when you have an abortion, when abortions happen, it's a break in the psyche because mm -hmm. we are made with this very specific design to do a specific job, which is to create, to um, give life, to do this. And we are taking that away in the most silently violent way that exists. And so there's, there's so much that we do and we co-sign as a culture that regularly does this, these different sins as they were like uh, people. Sin is also a, a, a concept that a lot of people don't fully understand. They want to make it very simple when mm -hmm. a lot of it is far. I mean, it's not nuanced in the way of, Oh, this is a nuanced conversation. It's not, but there's, there's so much to it that's missed. But there are a lot of things within our culture that want to see the end of reproduction, the end mm -hmm. of, um, well, I mean, that's the big thing. Um, they want to see older people leave us sooner. They want, like, there's, th there is a giant push in our culture that's pr primarily pushed by the left, but is also pushed by the right in different ways. It's like a complete picture, if you put mm -hmm. them together, that is very anti-human. And so yes. I just feel like that needs to be said because well, it's not just abortion. Yeah. There are so many things that they push. And if you actually pay attention to all the, th the things they push, the popular things that they push, they're very against the promulgation and the creation of more humans. And yeah. people need to be aware of that, I feel. <laughs> There's also this, um, I've noticed, sort of, um, like, women specifically have this sacred role of being the bearers of the next generation. Mm -hmm. And um, you see all the time in our culture this sort of, like, denigration of womanhood. <laughs> So not just motherhood itself, mm -hmm. but the very the very sacred nature of being female or being a woman is sort of um, being cast aside in favor of um, oh well anybody can decide that they're a woman and and it doesn't really mean to uh, feed a child from your breast and to bear them from your womb and all of like the really sacred things that come from being our gender. And I just, I, I do see that anti-human trend that Cam is talking about. 
like almost specifically it, it's it's geared at men too so i'm not trying to like um say that men are not the victims of this culture as well but i see a very specific attack on what it means to be a woman and that womanhood is not inexorably linked with motherhood well, and, and there's and a separation of those two ideas that I think is is very deadly to um, the survival of our species, you know? Yeah. yeah. Not to mention that the feminist, the at least the conclusion of how feminism has run is that women, in order to have worth, have to be more like men. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. And... And that regardless of any of the in, uh, intentions of any feminist out there that thinks that they're doing good work, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they are trying to act like they're, they're, they're pushing away one of the, no, not one of the, the most beautiful thing that they can do, mm -hmm. which, you know, I've, I, I like it so much. I've done it five times. Like I, I, uh, I need to stop. But this is there. It is no small feat to create a human, and it is no. It's in. It's amazing to me that the at least reported common average idea of pregnancy is that it's bad. Yes. What a bizarre world we live in, where the idea of creating new life and new brains that can new do new and good and cool and holy things shouldn't happen because you need to have a job. That was de deeply imprinted in my head when I was a teenager, find out that I'm pregnant. And my first thought is my life is ruined. Mm -hmm. And that's because all through my girlhood and my childhood, I had heard nothing from both the, the school, the teachers and the adults in my life. If you get pregnant, your life will be ruined. And they treat motherhood as though it's something that will, you know, just take all the opportunity out of your life. It, you, you won't have the opportunity to go on and be a famous actress or a lawyer or a doctor or any of these things because now you're a mother. And, and isn't it terrible to be a mother? And that's deeply imprinted in the head of young girls who are told, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. Now, I understand we don't want teen pregnancies. It's not necessarily the best thing to get pregnant when you're so young. But at the same time, it's not going to ruin your life either. It's a great blessing. And, um, you know, I, I, I wish I had had people to guide me in that knowledge to say, hey, this is and the thing that you read, Cindy, was so powerful. Like this is a sacred bond. So it's something that's very sacred to women that we are given the gift of being able to create life. And, you know, if I should ever get so lucky as to have a child, I would in imprint on them that, you know, life bearing is a beautiful thing. It's not ruinsome. It doesn't make you a ruined woman to be a mother. If anything, it's the other way around. So <laughs> well, make you ask, how did we get you? How did we yeah. get to this place where I think it started in the 60s when we were supposed to fry up the bacon and no, buy the bacon fried up in the pan and still not let you forget you're a man. I don't know if you remember this really old song because I'm really old. So shut up, Cam. I see. I was you. born in 1988. <laughs> Just you know, keep that in your head. <laughs> 
1988. But but it was that that we we would be just like you said, masculine. And I don't want to be masculine. I embrace my femininity. Yeah. You know, I really do. And another thing that you guys were talking about um, was like the men part of it. We as women were created to bear life. And like Cam was saying, we were all supposed to be creating. But that's even why veterans that come back from war, they struggle with PS, PS, uh, PTSD. PTSD. Thank you. <laughs> because they're not created to kill. They're created to make life. Don't, right. don't you go she, anywhere. I don't I, know where no, you're going. I was, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, you listen to me. No, I don't listen to you. Because but, that was like my big point when I first started thinking about war was that yeah. this is not what people, this is not what we're made We're to not do. created to, to take life. We are created to create life and especially women, especially mm -hmm. women. Yeah. And well, one of the things that's interesting to touch on as a man who's had five children is, you know, it, it's a very different situation for me than it has been for my wife. Um, because, you know, she feels the little flutters early on. I, I won't mm -hmm. be able to, I don't, I'm not able to feel them till much later in the process. She feels right. this connection. She talks to the baby and, you know, no matter how much I try, I can't talk to that baby as much as she does. You know, I mean, I'm sure those babies got used to my my loud voice over time. Um, it was so funny um, because there was one time that I was talking very loudly and Kaylee usually hates that. But it had I think it was Ezra, maybe he just calmed down because he heard me. He was kicking mm -hmm. in up a storm and then he heard me start talking and he was he calmed down. And so like over the course of pregnancy, I do have some sort of a bond, but mm -hmm. it all comes to a head literally when you start seeing the head emerge. And it's for me, it's always it all hits almost all at once. And I cry. I've cried with every baby baby. I see that little hairy cone head coming at me and I start crying. <laughs> um, mom was in the other room as we had our last baby um, in the house. Um, mm -hmm. But I will say that. Um, I was scared to death of pregnancy for the um, first two or three. Like I was always scared we were going to lose them because we got married and she got pregnant a month later and we mm -hmm. lost that baby about, I think it was about eight weeks after. And I, you know, I have, I have a little tattoo here that I'll, I'll get covered up with something else at some point because it, apparently everyone thinks it's a Harry Potter tattoo and I hate that with my whole heart. Um, <laughs> but the, even though I knew she was pregnant for only several weeks, when that baby was no longer, I have never felt that sort of sorrow in my life. Yeah. Like I've had other very important people to me die, but it doesn't hold a candle to the girl I never got to hold. Mm -hmm. And so I think that my mom's right. You know, more men need to speak about this. I forget what the what the situation was. I was talking to someone. I think I was on a show at some point. And I was talking about something. And she, she had said, I don't know why men don't talk about this more. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't remember what the, the subject was. I'm terrible at retaining information, apparently. But I 
think about that now because this is a conversation that men need to have. My boys, hopefully they won't be dumb teenagers. I pray they won't be dumb teenagers and do dumb things. But I guarantee you that if they do dumb things, they're going to be well prepared to take care of their dumb choices and raise a baby. They're going to be well prepared. And I'm going to be there to say, we'll take care of the baby. If you need us to adopt that baby, we'll adopt that baby. We'll do whatever it takes. And men are so shunned by the pro-abortion crowd mm -hmm. unless they want unless they're on the same page men who are pro-abortion get shouted from the rooftops mm -hmm. but if a man says i don't think this is a good thing it's no uterus no opinion mm -hmm. and i'm sorry i'm willing yeah. to fight you over that <laughs> well it's half your baby and you know when when that sperm and that egg unite and there's a blast there's, yeah, that's really cool. It, it's really cool. Have you seen and, that before, Jessica? Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. I'm a biology amazing. major. They show that in class. The the electrical spark, the literal spark of life that happens yeah. once the sperm is inside the egg. There's an electrical spark around the egg to prevent any other sperm from coming inside the egg. At that point, it seals, and it's a visible, like. Um, like a visible light that bursts off of the egg. And that was an astonishing moment to witness. Yes. And from that very first cell, there is everything that that child will need the hair, the hair color, the eye color, the, you know, everything is in that first cell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All the chromosomes, you know, it's, yep. it's just incredible. And so, so we can't, and that's what they told me. It was just a blob of cells yeah, and, and that's that a, a common, that's a car. Or sometimes they'll say um, uh, a blob of tissue or a piece of tissue or something like that. It's not, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm just like, you guys are just, you don't want to know what it is, you know, that's yeah. the thing. And mm. the, when you talk about chromosomes, I know that um, in some places like in Scandinavia, for example, mm -hmm. they have tests where they can tell you if the child has a potential of having Down syndrome or not. Mm -hmm. And they've almost eliminated the, their population of people with Down syndrome because people who have this test done will often have an abortion. But what a lot of people don't know about that test is that one in three, one in three is a false positive. Oh, wow. And I, didn't know I, know, I know a lot of people who are perfectly normal people mm -hmm. whose parents were told that they would have Down syndrome. And when they mm -hmm. came out of the womb, the parents decided to have them anyway. When they came out of the womb, they did not have Down syndrome. And so there are parents who are making this choice based on eugenics that, mm -hmm. that they're not going to bring a, Down, a child with Down syndrome into the world who, you know, one in three chances that that's a false positive. It's not a perfect test. And um, recently, you know, things uh, for people with Down syndrome have improved by leaps and bounds. And so the ability of people with Down syndrome to live somewhat normal lives is increasing, like shooting through the roof. Mm -hmm. And recently there was a man, I'm not going to remember his name off the top of my head, but he has Down syndrome. And he gave testimony in front of the UN. And he said, look, um, I'm a man. I, I don't need to be pure. I need to be loved. 
and it really like struck me i said you know if this doesn't make someone pro-life I, re I i really don't know what will because you know he very intelligently articulated the fact that you know i'm a, i'm a human being he said right. i'm a, i'm a man i don't need to be pure i need to be loved i need to be educated and sometimes i need help mm -hmm. but you know i deserve to live and you know so that that was a seminal moment for me that made me reconsider my position on abortion because i had had an abortion and because I wasn't aware that mentally I was in deep pain from it, mm -hmm. I became one of these women who shouted my abortion. I was so happy I had an abortion and it, it made my life better and all of these things. And then I saw this man speaking before the UN, realizing that, you know, there is a push in the world that they don't want humans like him to even exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And he's fighting for his existence. And it made me really reconsider a lot of my sort of uh, pro-choice positions. And that, you know, coupled with other events in my life sort of started bringing to the surface, oh my God, you know, I, I killed my own baby. Mm -hmm. That's not something that like fits mm -hmm. in a woman's brain very easily. Mm -hmm. And so you have to say, well, it was just a clump of cells. It mm -hmm. was just a zygote. It wasn't a mm -hmm. human, you know, and mm -hmm. you go through all of these things, but it's justification. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a human it's a human being from the minute that sperm meets that egg. And as you said, everything that you will be mm -hmm. is sealed, you know, as far as like your hair color, your eye color, your chromosomes, all of those things sealed in that moment with a genuine spark of life. And, you know, coming to grips with that, um, I I think it's a lot easier to say, well, I didn't really do that. I didn't really kill somebody. I'm not a murderer. I didn't really kill somebody, you know, um, but you did. You, mm -hmm. you did do that. And coming to grips with it is um, beyond hard. It, and so women who do that, who, who actually have to go through that pain and, and understanding what they did, I think that there is a measure of bravery to it. Oh, absolutely. A, yeah. A lot absolutely. of forces in the world that tell you you know, no, no, you don't have to think of it this way. It's okay if you don't see it that way. But, you know, there are those of us who do it and 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 really come to grips with it. And, you know, if that's you and you're in that position, you're listening to this now, I want you to know that I think you're brave for doing that. And it doesn't feel good. None of it feels good, but it's, it's a lot braver than just making excuses. So I don't want... I don't want you to like name any names or anything, but um, I was curious, mom, um, when it comes to how this affects women, would you be willing to share some of the, I mean, I know that some of them are more extreme than others and there's been some weird stuff. I don't want you to say anything that's going to get you in trouble or mess with any confidentiality or anything like that. Um, but what are some of the ramifications that women who've had abortions go through yeah. because I don't think people know this. Yeah. Well, it, I just, I, I can't say too much about some of it, but I can tell, so I can tell some of the facilitator stories because they tell okay. their stories. Um, but there, I just have to say out loud that, it is devastating to sit in my office with a lady across from me crying because she was pregnant with a Down syndrome baby 
she went to the abortion clinic, had an abortion. They perforated her uterus and they had, and she had to go to the ER and she had lost her, her womb. You know, she will never have children now. And to see how she is freaking out, trying to figure out how to get a surrogate so that she can have children. I mean, I've seen some pretty horrific things. Um, the woman that had the late term abortion and, you know, that was back in the day when they used the saline solution. They don't do that anymore, mm. but she was like five months pregnant and they, they inject saline into the um, placenta and then it burns the skin of the baby until the baby dies. I mean, some of this stuff is just horrific, horrific things that they do. Um, but, you know, and, and, and even if it is just the first trimester ones that are not quite as uh, horrific as some of those um, is, you know, I, I can just even like one lady, um, she was re probably 50 percent. And this is really interesting to me. One in four women will have an abortion. OK, also one in four women will be molested or in some way. There's got to be some correlation to this. And I would say that over 50% of the women that come into, come to my classes have had been molested as children and, or, 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 or raped, you know, a little bit later mm -hmm. on. And, um, and, and I think when that happens, you lose your sense of self, you lose your value you, you, it's just like, it doesn't matter, you know? And, um, I, I know that a lot of these women, um, and, and I can talk about, um, Heather, I'll, I'll give Heather's story and you can find some of our stories up online. If you want to go to our website, mm -hmm. um, abortion Yes. And, um, but, Heather was actually raped and then, but for some reason in her mind, she felt like since this was her very first experience that she had to stay with the guy. So she stayed with the guy and he continued to abuse her. And then she finally broke up with him, finally figured it out. But after that relationship, when she met her husband and she told him, she said, look, I've had an, you know, I've been raped. I've had an abortion. I'm unworthy. You can't marry me. She didn't feel like she was worthy enough yep. to marry yep. a decent guy. Yep. I know that exact feeling. Like I had to warn him, by the way, you're going to marry someone terrible. And I think you deserve the chance to get out before you do it. Yeah. And thankfully he didn't see it that way. So. Yes. And, and it, like I said, they can tell their stories better than I can, but you know, God just, it, it, it's, it's, we, and, and this is my thing is, is we as women or we as post-abortion women, to me, we're queens of denial. And so it's kind of like you said, you know, how you had to, once you start, stop smoking pot, then, or weed, I'm sorry, I think it, I say weed. We're, we're, I call we're, it we're pot millennials. Too, so. We're yeah, millennials. Yeah. We still use pot. It's the You Zoom still say, oh, okay, okay. It's those girls that I've got coming in now. I tell you what's coming in now 
is that, well, wait a minute, let me finish that. But we're queens of denial and we push our feelings down. And mm -hmm. eventually, that just like you said, they're going to bubble back up. They're not going to stay there forever. But I have women in now and our biggest thing is, is that they're doing having medical abortions. And so they are. And sometimes, you know, you can even get them this by mail. I mean, they're, they're trying to get that passed. I'm not sure exactly where that is now. But these women will take the pill at the abortion clinic. Then they go home all yep. by themselves. And some of them are all by themselves. That was me. And. You know, they've told me stories about how they thought they were going to die, you know, and that they're like, call me because I'm going, you know, I and they tell them that it's just it's not going to be anything but like cramps or something. And these women are almost like bleeding out, you know, and it's horrible. And then many of them are coming to us now early because they actually have seen the baby when they pass the baby in the toilet. Yeah. And that's tough. I can't imagine. It's hard enough. I had a surgical abortion, but to have a medical abortion and be all by yourself or to be in a situation where you feel like you really feel like you're going to die. That's just, that's trauma. That's just trauma on top of trauma. Yep. It's, it's very traumatic. Yep. And there's no counseling. They don't offer. I mean, not that there isn't counseling. There is obviously mm -hmm. Cindy, you yeah. run a counseling center, but they don't say, okay, now that this has happened, you should go get counseling, which is something they should tell every woman who has this procedure, because frankly, it's there are emotional ramifications no matter who you are. And I know a lot of women claim, oh, I, I didn't have any problem. I don't have any regrets, so on and so forth. But really, you're telling yourself that and you need it validated. And that's why you're saying it over and over and over again. This is exactly what I went through. I, I shouted my abortion. I was proud. I didn't regret my abortion because I was telling myself that. Yeah. And, you know, someone, you know, maybe one of the adults in my life should have probably told me, hey, you need counseling. You need therapy, <laughs> you know. But if I had had a support structure, I probably mm. wouldn't have had abortion in the first place. But Well, and see, that goes back to when you're a 19-year-old and you go to your parent and you say, I need advice. I just I just feel like, I don't, what happened to mom telling you what to do? I mean, why... Why is this the topic that you get? I you I can't if you're in you, you know you're like you're required to go to college or you're required to do this or you're required to do that, mm -hmm. but yet when it comes to this, oh well, you know that's your decision, whatever you want to do, and I'm like, what, how how are we supposed to make a good decision when we're young? We don't know we're young as one of our, my girls said, young and dumb. We don't know what we're doing. We're trying to get talk like you said. You talk to so many people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you get nothing and then nope. it's just like you just do the you just take the we try to take what we think is the easy way out and it and it isn't it never is i remember well, um oh i'm sorry go ahead no I'll go ahead i was gonna say i remember um very shortly after maybe two years after i had my abortion the um the bodies exhibit had come through town. I don't know if you guys remember this. It was all the human bodies that were posed and they were actual human bodies. And you would walk through this sort of museum exhibit and see all of the organs and all of the stuff. It was really pretty cool. Yeah. And um, there's a room 
where it's put off to the side and it had a sign outside of it saying that, hey, some of this can be traumatic for women. And I thought, well, I'm a, I'm a woman of science and I'm this, that, and the other thing. And I went into this room and it showed uh, women's wombs with babies in them. These were actual wombs with actual babies in them. Wow. And I was not prepared in any way for what I would feel walking through that. And I started to cry. I ran through the rest of the exhibit until the mm -hmm. end. Um, my dad, who to this day does not know <laughs> that I've had a pregnancy terminated, um, mm -hmm. came up to me at the end, like, are you okay? And I just kind of made an excuse and I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm a woman and that was really hard. And him being a man, I think on some level he didn't want to know or, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I told him, oh, you know, I'm on my period. Um, I'm emotional right yeah. now. So on <laughs> and so forth. And he just let it go. But um, to actually see the baby in the womb, um, really like the word is cognitive dissonance, I think. And it's where you think one thing, but you're confronted with the reality. And because these two things don't fit in together, it causes you physical reaction, physical pain. And I had to run like I ran through the rest of that exhibit. And that should have been my first clue that I wasn't regret free. <laughs> yes. But I think it's amazing that women the the common line is or idea <laughs> is that women don't or can't regret abortion and yet women regret <laughs> haircuts. This, <laughs> is, this is this is far bigger than a haircut. You know what I yeah. mean? Like in in what world is it it doesn't make any sense to me that because and, and they argue out of both sides of their mouth. This is a very serious issue and you know it goes through a lot of thought no one wants to have an abortion no one wants to do this and then on the other side right. they're like shout your abortion this is good this right. is a good blow it's it you're right queens of denial like mm -hmm. it's it's in i haven't Scary. thought of it quite that way and it makes so much sense the the way the the propaganda the way all of this works is they can't make up their minds. It's like safe, and, legal, and rare has just been thrown out the, the window oh, yes. while oh, they're yes. still making points out of the safe, legal, and rare handbook. And if I can add to that, there's so much judgment in the secular world for the Christian perspective on abortion, saying, keep your theology out of my ovaries, and, and Christians are so judgmental, this, that, and the other thing. And I have to tell you, I didn't get any support for how I felt until I became a Christian and started talking to Christian people and actually like speaking on like a one-to-one -one level with people who were pro-life and they didn't judge me. Mm -hmm. They wanted to help me. They wanted to support mm -hmm. me. I got none of that support when I was, because I for, formerly I was an atheist. I well, out with you about that, but I, I've, you know, in recent years converted to Christianity and it was the first time in my life. I didn't expect that. I, I expected, I have to keep this quiet, you know, and, and, um, I, I really have to give it to people, especially from like the, um, anarcho-Christian community that I started to pal around with online. They were the first people I was able to be open with about my abortion. And they were so supportive and lovely about it. Like, Really, it was the Christian community who who gave me a safe place to land and cry and and admit that this I was in deep, deep pain and I needed help about this. Mm -hmm. And it's the the perception 
is that Christians are so judgmental mm -hmm. and it has been the opposite experience for me. Praise they God. have yeah. loved me in, in ways that I'm going to cry thinking about it right now, but they loved me in ways that I wasn't prepared for. And you know, I'm great. I'm grateful. That's Deeply how it's grateful. supposed to be. That's how, and I'll be honest with you. I don't run into that many judgmental people, but there are some out there. Yeah. There are some oh, out yeah. there, but but I don't run into, uh, I, I was, I was at a, um, uh, I had a table, I set up a display table and there were some people come around and, 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 you know, I caution the church. I don't think the church understands. Um, sometimes they'll say, and this is what, when I speak at a church, I'll say this, I'll say, you need to be careful of the words that come out of your mouth. If you say things like, well, I don't see how anybody could have an abortion or I could never do something like that. You don't Guess know what? who's in earshot that have has gone through an abortion experience. And that's not the love of the Lord. That's not the love of Christ. And that's and that's judgmental. And, and there are people who will do that. And I had a guy that went past my table and he said, well, I just, I'm completely against that. I just can't believe anybody would do something like that. And I just looked at him. I said, well, I had an abortion when I was 18. That's why I'm here. And then I started, you know, giving him my story. And he just kind of backed up and because he was an old man, like in his 80s or something. And then he's just like, okay, you know, because I don't back down. I don't mm -hmm. back down. Mm -hmm. My child did not die in vain. Yeah. My child's life means something. Because I am not going to let other women continue to go and suffer. If they want help, I will provide the help that they need. You mm -hmm. know, it really um, struck me to know that, um, uh, at least in the Orthodox Church, we believe that I will see my child. Uh, I, yes, I'm. Yes. I'm not without a child. I have a child. I'm yes. a mother. Yes, you. That are. child died, yes. but I am a mother. And I yes, will see my child. And yes. that's a powerful. Yes. Sorry, yeah. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> well, so so the, the tattoo I mentioned earlier says always. And people think it's from Harry Potter because there's this point where uh, one character loves Same. another and says always. always and yeah. but it came this this idea came. This is a tattoo I got after the miscarriage. It was a tattoo I got. Uh, I listened to a song by Switchfoot called always and um the one of the the major lines in is in it is i'm always yours and so when we had this happen i had this moment where i needed to express this express the fact that i didn't get to hold her do i know it's a her yes can i tell you can i can i scientifically prove it no but Sometimes I know it's know. a her yeah, and you just my know. wife, my wife knew it was a her. And I know in that moment that I needed to express the fact that regardless of what happened, that I'll always be her daddy. That's right. She's a part of me. Yep. And will always be a part of me. And I don't want to lose that. I, I, I don't like the Harry Potter thing. So eventually I'll get something cooler that expresses that. <laughs> um, but that, yeah. that is the case. And there are different Christian denominations that believe different things about this. And all I'm going to say is that they're wrong. Yeah. 
I don't care what their justification is. They're wrong. Yeah. And I'll see her. I'll see her one day. You'll see yours one day. I'll meet Amen. my older brother, Tim, one day. And I can't wait for that. Yeah. So I told Cam once that I'll give you a minute to, because I know you're getting there. I told Cam once that I had named my child. Mm -hmm. And I felt really like almost kind of sh ashamed and weird that I named my child. And he told me that that's not that unusual and that that is in a way accepting mm -hmm. what has happened mm -hmm. and to honor the life mm -hmm. of that, that person yeah. that only maybe existed for a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. but that was a person. And so to name them is, um, I don't know, like a powerful way to acknowledge their life. And so you just said Tim, so I assume that's the name mm -hmm. that you have given to your child. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, yes, that that was part of the process was, you know, that's part of the, our, our process. I used to don't tell people that because it breaks them out. They won't go to my class. But, <laughs> but that is something that we encourage people to do. And not all, not everybody knows if it was a boy or a girl. I just always knew mine was a boy, always. And some people you just know, and some people you don't know. And that's okay. You don't have to do that. But um, we pray about it, and God will usually reveal. And yeah, and God will, with me. And, 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 yeah, it's really cool. And it's like I knew I wanted to name him Timothy, and God gave me the name Andrew. So his name is Timothy Andrew. And I was like, well, cool. And, you know, one of the things you can do is, I mean, he's hanging up there with Jesus, right? And one of the girls that went through, and this is just such a blessing, but is that, when we were praying, all the moms are praying. And she said, you know, I just envisioned in my head that I just saw all of our babies kind of huddled over, you know, huddled together over us, cheering us on. Yeah. Cheering yeah. us on. Yeah. You're going to make it and I'm going to see you one day. And this is, and I'm in a good place. And yeah, we're going to be able to see our babies and not feel weird about it or dread that it. I was um I was like really crying one time just in in deep grief and I feel like the Lord spoke to me in a very special way by saying she's okay. Yeah. Nothing bad is happening to her. Yeah. She's okay. Yeah. And when I heard that, I am so sorry. I'm trying to keep my shit together. Um <laughs> you're good. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I just I knew it was a she in that moment because I had mm -hmm. this like revelation given to mm -hmm. me, especially to let me know, like, you don't have to freak out. It's not like your, your baby's flying in the wind somewhere. She's with God. She's fine. You're the one that's in trouble and in pain right now. Yes. And I knew that yes. it was, it was a her. And I was like, I don't know, in a way kind of like joyed to know that. And I, and I, I gave her a name and I'm going to keep that to myself, I think right now, but, um, yeah. Naming her was really important, and 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 I think it 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 makes me happy to think about her, yeah. and to know oh. that I am gonna see her. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, there's now actually now we're all crying. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it <laughs> off of you for a minute. Um, we had a lady who went through, and um, um, and 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 she's one of she. I think her story may be up there as well, but. Um, her name is Denise Wilkes, and she's one of my facilitators, so I can give her name and all. But
but um, she wrote a song and what happened was um, she was grieving and she didn't know what to do with the pain, but she's a, a, a musician, you know? And so she ended up writing this song and, and the music to the song and it's, and um, it, it talks about how we will see our children running in a field of daffodils. And I love how, that. Oh, I can sing every word to that song. You won't want me to, because I don't sing as well as she does. <laughs> but and I, and I would miss it completely. But I'm telling you, it is so powerful that, I, like, we will go in and speak into places like um, drug and rehab rehabilitation places and stuff like that. And if I can get Denise to come, I will, because she shares her testimony. And when she sings that song, it is anointed. And the women know I'm going to be able. And that's what I want people to know. There's hope. You asked me in the beginning, what do I, there's hope. You don't have to stay where you are. We would, our, in most programs, take you through um, a, the grieving process. You know, because you got to deal with all these undealt with emotions, but oh, yeah. there's hope and you can be okay. I'm okay. I can say abortion. I can say all this stuff without crying because I'm healed. I mean, completely. But I mean, I have been doing this since 2006, like probably before you were born, yeah. but you know. She's older than me. No, I'm older than Cam. <laughs> so, but, but, but for real, I mean. That that is the most important thing that I want women to know. There is help. There is hope. All you have to do is reach out. Yeah. You can go to pregnancy centers and sometimes they will have people that can help you there. And there's a place called Concepts of Truth International. And I work for them for a little while. And there are 24 out 24 seven. Uh, you can call them. And um, I probably should have looked up their number. I thought about that like some other time today. You know, we will um, uh, put that in our description for our episode because a lot of people can't watch us live. They watch us on the replay. Okay. So we'll put the information for Concepts of Truth in our description. Yes. Um, if you get the number to us, we'll put that down there. Okay, I'll do that. So, and it's it's just and and it was just people like me, you know, and and people just need to talk, you know. Mm -hmm. And I've had an abortion. This is going on, you know. I, we we are medical people, but we understand what you're going through. We understand the emotions, and we try to hook them up with uh, a pro, an abortion recovery program somewhere. You know, sometimes they have weekends. We have small groups. Um, or even one-on-one -on -one counseling. So yeah. there are a lot of things out there. It's just, we're the biggest secret ever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do want, I do ahead. want to say to anyone who's listening, um, and this is the kind of, kind of thing that I said with the tattoo guys. One, if in your locality find there are people who are helping women who are actually not preaching at them feminism or, this other stuff, but they're actually trying to help women in your area. And if you can find them and donate to them, help them, you should. But I will say that if you would like to help my mother, if you'd like to help her ministry, I highly recommend doing that as well. Um, on directly on her page, I will link it. It's already linked in the description if you wanted to click it right now. Um, but if you go to abortionrecoveryalabama.org, you can 
donate once you can um, donate monthly if you want to, or you can do the smile.amazon.com and hook and it's hooked up to her ministry and she can make some money off, makes make some money, but get some donations to help women off that. So, mm -hmm. you know, look, if I think that it's important to be a helper, especially yeah. right now. And so be it my mother, be it someone else. If you care about this, if you care about women who are going through hell, be a helper. Yeah. And I don't know if your center does this, Cindy, but there are centers that my church works with where they will get things like um, formula, diapers, cribs, car seats, the th kinds of things that women um, need when they're going through pregnancy. They don't know what they're going to do. How am I ever going to support this kid? And I know that a lot of people think like pregnancy centers are just scary religious places that are going to make you feel guilty. Um, a lot of times they're actually going to hook you up with resources. So, yeah. Yes. And I found out something really, really cool. <clears throat> yes, you can go to a pregnancy resource center or a pregnancy care center or whatever they want to call themselves. And basically you do your tests and they, they have stuff called mommy money or mommy bucks they call them different things in different areas but if you go and like go to a parenting class they have nurses teaching parenting classes and you go through and they will provide that and you, and you get that mommy money or those mommy bucks and then you can go to the boutique you can get car seats you can get diapers you can get you know baby clothes maternity clothes mm -hmm. i mean it's a it's an awesome awesome also yes. um People i want to help for the men's side of things, um, there I, I know at least one in Birmingham. If you're around Birmingham, um, Save a Life is really good because Save a Life. I don't know if they're still doing it, but they would offer ultrasounds. They offered uh, one the one in in Vestavia um, offered men um, doctors appointments for free to get checked out for STDs and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it wasn't just um, it's. There's that argument that they always make that pro-life people only care until the per the baby is born. And that has and always will be utter hogwash. And so they, and I'm just saying this particular part because it's not just the moms that they care for, not just the babies that they care for, but it's the dads. Yes. It's the men that are in crisis yeah. as well. Yeah. So there's, there are a lot of, there are a lot of ways you can help people who need help and do it voluntarily and do it beautifully and do it in a way that's good. Mm -hmm. Just good. Do some yes. good, man. And, and, and I want to kind of talk a little bit. <coughs> I hope I can remember the name of it. I think it's, um, but I, it, Abby Johnson, who wrote the book unplanned and there's a movie out there called unplanned and she has an organization and I was able to hear these ladies give their testimony at a, at a care net conference and it's called um, uh, until there are no more or something like that. But what's so cool about it is they go in and we try to, or they try to, and I'm part of the pro-life community um, talk to the people that are actually working at the abortion clinics you know, and try to get a relationship with them because a lot of these people really think they're helping women. I mean, they're not necessarily the bad guys. You know, there are some radical people out there that are, you know, 
but but there are people that generally think that they're helping women and so all we have to do is 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 talk to them and have a relationship yeah. with them and say hey you know and and if you decide you don't want to be there anymore we'll find you and then there were none that's the name of it and then there were none <laughs> and um, so they will try to get them to come out and they will try to find them a job and the same organization. And I'm not going to remember the name of it. I think it's love line or love life or something, but, um, they actually gave out information. It's still Abby Johnson's behind this. They have people that give to their organization. So if you find out that you have somebody that needs something, they will, um contact that person they will find the local people and they will pour money into you so if you want to keep your baby you've got the financial support to do it you've got emotional support to do it you've got a place to live we got it covered it's all out there now now I, we weren't always this organized but we are now and that's really cool and and well, now i think I think when it started to really get organized in a positive way was when they started calling it on Twitter, fake uh, abortion clinics or something like that. They mm -hmm. call it like fake women's mm -hmm. uh, health offices and uh, fake clinics. They kept calling it that. And I think it, it kind of coincided with the time that things were really picking up in a good way. So, I mean, there's always going to be a battle that mm -hmm. goes on because, um, you know, our enemies are more than they're more than human. It's not, yeah. it's, we're not, we're not fighting. We're not fighting just humans. <laughs> well, in the, in the wake of this recent decision in Texas, there are so many mm -hmm. people on social media talking about if you find out you're pregnant, how are you going to get an abortion? As though abortion is the only option for you. If you find out you're pregnant and you're not sure what to do. And so like a lack of information is a terrible enemy here. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, certainly in my case, I, thought that was the only responsible option that I had, mm -hmm. that I was actually doing the responsible thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I would like for there to be, you know, and there definitely is more than I knew, um, resources. Mm -hmm. And only, you know, because I've recently been, I took me years to find a church. And when I finally landed at a church, they have like an awesome pro-life ministry. And it was oh, like, wow. So cool there is amazing amounts of resources. And I feel like, you know, I really want to be involved in this. I really want to um, help women who, you know, I remember the exact moment, I'll never forget it, where they, I had a um, medical abortion. So they put pills in my hand. Mm -hmm. And I remember her handing me the pill, putting it in my hand and saying, are you absolutely sure? And then I said, yes. And she put the pill in my hand. And I wonder constantly, what would have been the response if I had said, no, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And I think that what you're saying about like communicating with people who do work in abortion clinics in case, just in case there's that flicker of that moment of, no, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, guess what? There's stuff for you. Well, and that would change things. Let's hope they would do that. Now they do have quotas to meet. They are selling abortions. So, you know, that it is a product. It's according yeah. to, you know, who you get. But I will say there are people out there like that um, when and, and, and this is a really cool story. We're talking. Oh, my goodness. Probably 21, 22 years ago. Um, we uh, my pastor found out about uh, uh, one of the um, 
counselors at the pre, uh, at the abortion clinic called my pastor and said, "Hey, we've got a girl. You don't care anything about the babies." He said, "Yeah, if you, we care about the babies. If you want, you know, we'll take care of anybody." So anyway, this lady came in. Her boyfriend had tried to strangle her to mm-hmm. get her to the abortion clinic, and it was just a horrible situation. Well, my pastor went to my assistant pastor who came to me. I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. But it's so cool. This woman who Cam knows, you know who I'm talking about? I don't I don't know if I should say her name. But her did son. Did I work with her at one point? Yes, you did. Okay. And for 10 years, I sent him a birthday card every year because we did whatever it took. And what was so cool about it was when she felt so desperate, she had no place to live. She had no finances or anything. And we just came in. It's not that we took care of her. We prayed with her and God provided a car. God provided a job. God provided all this around her. And now that child is like the just got married and is the the love of her life. I mean, I don't know what she would be like without him. Yeah. And yeah. and she still contacts me occasionally, you know, and it's just like thank you Lord. That was probably our first save, you know. So that is just I mean, and not only that, but now he'll have children. So there's a legacy. You know, when we take the light, when I took Timothy's life, Timmy's life, I took his children and his grandchildren. So I took a whole legacy. I took a whole um, bunch of people, you know, a whole mm-hmm. generation. A whole after, yes. Out. Yeah. And absolutely. It, it, it's just something to think about, you know, mm-hmm. the reper- repercussions of that. Absolutely. But you had me and I have repopulated the earth and I think I'm going to do the whole thing at this point. Three boys, two girls. I mean, I, 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 I created, I created a legacy. Hopefully you're proud of it. My, um, my husband's grandmother, Margaret passed away recently <laughs> and, uh, she, she had five children mm. and she died. She was 94 years old when she died. She had had five children and there were 200 people. that showed up to her funeral that were the direct result of her womb. Wow. Wow. That woman made a tribe of human beings. Think about what you've done. Yeah. Mom, because I've got, I've got five. My little sister has four. Yeah. Yeah. uh, My brother has one. I mean, look at, he's, he's a slacker. I mean, we know we know um, through uh, political and internet circles, Joshua Smith. He's got what nine children. Mm. Yeah, you know, so the the re- resulting human beings that will iterate from this, you know, already <laughs> huge tribe of kids, it's like yeah. you know just unfathomable, unfathomable generations to come from this. Yeah. Well, I I think it was good that you hit on hope because. That is the entire whole point of our show. Yep. Is hope. Um, Because we live in dark times. I think that most of humanity has lived in dark times. There have been a couple bright spots. But right now, there are a lot of people who are hurting, who feel lost, who lost their job, who lost family members, Mm -hmm. who. 
from from death, from suicide, or from just COVID. Uh, what's the word? Um, shunning them for having a difference of political opinion. Oh God, yeah. Mm. Um, we have a lot of people that need hope, and it's funny because I talk about hope, and we we ask everyone who comes on the show. What gives them hope right now? What's something that motivates you and keeps you going on? And it's it's so hard because people will ask. I, I've been asked that question once, and there's my ultimate hope, which is the only th which is the thing that differentiates me from most people. I don't see. It's not that I don't understand hard hard times. I don't understand rough times. I've been in them. I've had them. You know, we're working through things, but <laughs> um, I have the hope of the resurrection of the end of the return of the king, uh, not by J.R.R. Tolkien, but Jesus. Um, but uh, what is let me I'll just go ahead and float the question out to you now. Um, besides the return of the Lord, which is the ultimate hope, uh, what is something I mean, you can just keep talking about that if you want to. I'm fine with it. But is that that plus, is there anything else that really gives you hope right now that really f makes you feel like life's worth living, that you've done something good, et cetera? Well, I, I, when I, I, I really was when, when I heard you ask this question on some of the other things that that is the very first thing is Jesus is coming back soon. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm like there, you know, yeah, I am just, me too. <laughs> whenever you're ready, Lord, I'm, it could be any day now that whatever, everything's lining up for real. Yeah. But, <clears throat> um, so that is my ultimate hope, but I will say that, um, I just, um, my hope is in also in my children and grandchildren, um, knowing that, um, I did one of my one of the main things I want to do, I want to be able to share the gospel, um, disciple people, which is pretty much what I do in the abortion recovery. But the other goal is to see my grandchildren as much as I can, because um, I want them to know that they have a grandmother that loves them with all of her heart. And, yeah. you know, that um, I want them to know Jesus and I want to know the, them to know the love of Jesus. And I know Cam had the honor of you might want to talk about how you've had your boys pray with you. And, and it was just like, you know, that's what it's about. That's what it's about, you know. Well, and, and also you should come around because they're just gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I want to say to the couple of things that I listened to, I'm just really proud of you, Cam. Um, the, the whole, it's like, I, I I think I live in the South in Alabama. I'm kind of in my little Christian bubble, but you kind of think outside of the bubble. And I like my bubble. I'm not I'm not complaining <laughs> about my bubble. I'll stay in my bubble. But um, but but I love the way that you can gently turn something around by speaking truth mm -hmm. into. Mm -hmm. By sharing a, 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 a Bible verse that some people may not even know that it is a Bible verse or maybe you've even called it out. But it's like it and, and you're doing the same thing, Jessica. It's so cool. It's like people are like this, but it, it's like it's trying to connect. Does, 
I don't know if I made any sense on that. No, yeah, you're also thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's like you're trying to help people to see this is real, you know, yeah. and and it doesn't have to be some kind of spooky weird thing over here. This is real life, and yeah. we just do life together, and we do the best we can, and um, and God has a plan and purpose for every life and in every person, and once you get a hold of what that purpose is, what that plan is for your life. Like I know I knew when I went through that class, that this was my purpose in life. You can be happy because yeah. you are doing the thing that you've called, you're called to do. And uh, you guys probably have found that even in this podcast, you're doing a lot of that, I would say. Well, it's, it's funny because and I'll, I don't, I've never told this on the podcast, but do you remember Todd, and he he did the he spoke over me and had a prophecy. Yes. When yes. I was a kid. Yes. And he talked about how I would go on to write. Right. And I remember hearing that and going, Oh, that's nerdy. I don't want to do that. I'm not gonna <laughs> do that. And I tried not to do that. <laughs> and then over time, it was like I realized how much you know, I, I do write on occasion, but it's not my primary mode. Mm -hmm. um, but it was it was one of those things that over time, um, I felt like what my calling was besides fathering and di discipling children, mm -hmm. which I've at a very young age, I knew I wanted to have kids. I knew I wanted two things to be married and have children and to have a beard. And it worked <laughs> out. I've done it. <laughs> but you know, along, along the way, yeah. al al along the way, um, here's here's a funny thing. I'll just I'll, I'll keep going in a second. Um, I wanted a beard because one time when I was a small child, my dad and I would watch um, Star Trek, um, the one with Captain Picard, Next Generation. Yeah, and um, Data looked so weird to me, and like he always creeped me out. And I had a dream as a kid that I grew up to look like data. <laughs> oh no. And it it was like, oh, I don't want that. And so like that was part of my thing. Like, you know, what I would rather look like Riker. Let's grow the beard. I'll have a beard. I'll be good. <laughs> Fair um, enough. But um over my life, the the kind of impetus was that my my calling is to uh communicate and to share truth. Yeah. And so I'm a good communicator, I think. Um, I try. And I, tr I, I, I thought, and I, I haven't talked about, I talked to you about this right before the show, and I'll, I'll say it on the show. Um, but a couple of months ago, I was texting Jessica during this because it was like God had a laser sight in the middle of my forehead because I'd been doing a libertarian show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'd done libertarian content and we were already moving away from it somewhat, but there was this realization that I had made my ministry, liberty, libertarianism, mm -hmm. et cetera, instead of what it should have been, mm -hmm. which is to communicate truth, mm -hmm. to share Jesus with people. Right. And so that's the marked shift in the show. We're not talking about libertarianism anymore. We're not talking about politics. Um, we're not talking about laws. We're talking about real life. We're talking about weird things at times. 
Um, yeah. And we're talking about important things. And mm -hmm. so if you have been wondering why Jessica and I aren't showing up on your favorite Liberty, Liberty podcast lists anymore, that's why. <laughs> because we decided we didn't want that anymore. In fact, somebody the other day said something to me along the lines of, um, I, ex I expected more for somebody in the Liberty movement. I was like, how dare you, sir? I'm, I'm in the Jesus liberty. movement. Right. I'm in a very different movement than that. So, yeah. No, and, you know, um, all power and love to our friends that are still in that movement and make that a big part of their lives. We're not saying that that's not something that you should be doing. It's just it's that, you know, it's not our calling. Right. And we're we're on a, a different, maybe even adjacent path. But, um, yeah, it's not about the politics, you know. Um, my priest had said something during my catechism class today about, um, oh, I've been through many presidents because we pray during the divine liturgy. We pray for the civil authorities, the president of the United States, because no matter who the president is, you want them to make good decisions. So we pray for them. Um, and somebody asked along the lines of, hey, you know, things are really political right now. Does anyone ever complain that we're praying for the president? And the priest said, no, not at all. You know, we, we, I've been through many presidents. He, he's been a priest since, you know, 1974, I think. Something's really long time. He says, I've been through a lot of presidents. And I thought, you know, isn't that great that presidents are going to come and go, but you, your priest is your priest. And, you know, that oh, just gave me a sense of continuity in my life that politics is never going to give people. And, yeah, so that was just my little addition to what cam was saying about <laughs> we both just kind of at the same time we're like i'm bored are you bored like so let's bored not, let's not do this anymore and now you know um i i know we haven't announced this yet but we got a, a guy coming up he's been attacked by sharks yeah. he's been attacked by two great white sharks <laughs> it's how so would cool. we ever fit that onto a political show i have no idea how would we do this this um very powerful and emotional conversation that we just had with you cindy if we had to bring everything back around to some kind of political message we just couldn't have had it in the same way and so yeah i really appreciated um how uh, i think it's simpatico like cam and i have been uh simpatico on these things and and i've really appreciated you know just being included on the ride <laughs> thanks guys that's what was that's what was so funny uh was because the show was called make liberty great again and uh jessica had been on like the last six or something like that i was just making her the unofficial co-host even though she didn't want to be a co-host of something blah 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 <laughs> And then one I literally day, told him, I was like, I don't want to be on a podcast. And he's like, yeah, okay, sure. But you're going to come on next week, right? And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> And then one day I sent her a picture, which is the original logo, which is the, uh, with the yellow smoke. Actually, I think it was, yeah. was it? No, it's, it what is it now? Yeah. It's the yellow smoke. And yeah. I'd said, and she goes, oh, that's really cool. And I was like, okay, so I'm rebranding. I want you to be permanent co-host. Is that are you down? And she was like, yeah, um, actually, I was going to send yep. you some music from. What was that? Go ahead. What he said was, um, are we done pretending you're not my co-host? And I'm like, <laughs> I guess. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh, that's great. <laughs> He, he was a little manipulative there, huh? 
it wasn't manipulative. I was, I wasn't, I, I, I was just, I would just make the jokes, you know. But you know, uh, people, people in yeah. my life have commented to me about you and Cam obviously have great like comedic chemistry, you have good timing together, that kind of thing. And so like, I don't know, it just worked out. We found each other at the right moment. And I was um, very early on in sort of my journey into Christianity. And I didn't know who I was yet with that or, you know, even though I didn't, I, I don't technically have the same religion as Cam because I'm an Orthodox Christian. He's more on the Protestant side of things. He was an incredible um, resource for me in those early times and, and, and guide. And I am just like incredibly grateful. I think, I think in a lot of ways, God put us together and like, it's been it's been a wonderful friendship, and so like I think that um, just uh, we're allowing other people to see the conversations that would be happening between us, regardless of whether we were doing this live on the internet or not. And yeah, so all it, we're doing, that's we're just happened. broadcasting our conversations, is basically what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, because you know she'd be on the show, and then we'd talk until like three in the morning. Yeah. Afterwards, and it's just like, about why don't we just. Uh, about yeah, Jesus. Why don't we just do this for the most part, you know, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the air. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we? Well, we're like, are we going to scare people away from from us because we're talking about Jesus? And it's like, do we care if nope. we're scaring people away from us? No, we don't, do we? And here we are. Sorry, what were you going to say, Cindy? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I just think it's so cool because God has called y'all to do that, do all this, like right now. And now is the time when we need to evangelize because, I mean, it really is getting close to the end. We're in like Revelation chapter three toward the end, right before four. So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of countries that are lining up right now and coming up against Israel. And it's it's going to be it's going to be something. So the, the hour is later than you think. Yes, it yeah. really is. You know, and uh, so I, I think that God is calling a lot of people out and, and you've got an audience. You guys have an audience that I wouldn't have necessarily. So you're reaching and that's cool. That is really, really cool. And I'm really proud of both of you for that. I think it's really cool. And um, yeah, this Cindy, I just have to tell you that I'm I'm grateful. Uh, Cam asked me if I wanted to talk to his mom because this is what his mom did for a living. And I said, yes, but I think everyone should talk to Cam's mom. Like the, <laughs> the thing that the thing that you are doing is so incredibly important. And I really, I hope everybody who listened to this podcast will go to your website, that they will donate to your organization because the work that you're doing is like truly God's work. And I appreciate you so much from the bottom of my heart just this converse this conversation the work that you're doing everything like i love you like <laughs> i just want you to know yeah. oh that's so sweet well and and yeah. we'll determine my feelings on you based on what kind of birthday present i get next month <laughs> so let's see i think i spent all your money on shoes today oh. <laughs> <laughs> not not your shoes my shoes <laughs> uh, he always liked it. He, he always wanted Converse every year. I just need a new pair of shoes. I'm I've happy. Got, I just got some recently, so I don't need Converse this year. Okay. Well, the other thing you always ask for is socks and underwear. Do yes. you still need something? Um, <laughs> yes. You know, 
I, I, I'm 38 years old and I really wish someone was still like supplying me with socks and underwear. <laughs> like, that would be so nice. <laughs> oh, that's what his dad always asked for for Christmas. And he said, now I get it. Now yeah. I get it. <laughs> the last thing I want to pay money on is socks and underwear. <laughs> I don't want to do, I don't want to buy shirts. Much yeah. less socks and underwear. Like I, 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 I will. Like I'm just going to end up turning into my dad, where <laughs> I just wear those, those Levi's and the. I'm not going to do the New Balance. We had to get him out of those and throw yeah. them in Converse later. But still, I'm, I'm probably going to be a man of um, what's the word? Not constant sorrow. I don't know why that went in my head. No, just routine, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But we do like to ask fun questions as well. Oh, so, for Pete's sake. I know where this is going already. You Well, no, actually, you don't. Um, because I'm not going to ask the pizza question. Oh, okay. Um, Thank goodness. I'm done with the pizza question. <laughs> but I was going to ask you, um, why do you love my my older brother more than me? I mean, we saw, <laughs> I, we, I saw what happened after we watched Passion of the Christ. I saw what happened. <laughs> Well, there was a scene where Mary went up and, and kissed Jesus's feet. And at that point I was so moved. We had, we'd gone back to church after the movie and we were all kind of talking it through because it was such an intense movie. Yeah. And I brought up that scene and I said, I could just see myself picture myself kissing Chris's, my son's feet, my oldest son's feet. <laughs> and Cam has never let me live that down, that I wouldn't kiss his feet. I would only kiss my, his brother's feet. <laughs> it, was it wasn't even you. <laughs> now she heard us. I know, I, I, I know the truth. <laughs> So you have to realize that Chris, all of his life, told Cam and Courtney that he was the favorite and that, you know, they, they just didn't even need to try. And so he convinced them that he was the favorite and that, you know, they were less than him. Oh my <laughs> and no, knowing Chris, he, or Topher, yeah, uh, he yeah. probably, yeah, he changed his name when we went to L.A. But... <laughs> But knowing he, <laughs> he, he probably uh, really believed it. He probably oh, really no. believed it. Well, the the damage I did was it wasn't even. I don't even know if it was all me, but was I was the smart one, so I got that little feather in my cap. Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> hey, do you want to see Cam in in football when he was in the um, seventh grade? <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, he Mom. even got it. He's got a mean look going in everything. Look at that. I really, I really love this haircut. Please tell me there's a little rat tail back there. <laughs> no, okay. I, I wanted boys one, at that she, age would uh, have the little rat tail. So when I was 10, uh, Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace came out, and oh, I yeah. wanted to do the little side braid. That Obi Wan had in that movie, <laughs> a little tiny one with a little yeah. back ponytail. Yeah, and, mom, and I was like, I kept asking mom to let me do it, and I think she would have, but she knew I wasn't going to grow my hair out 
long enough yeah. to actually make it happen. So it wasn't a real threat. But I know when I asked her, she was like, don't do this nerd. No, no, <laughs> no You're a good mom. Good mom. Uh, oh, oh yeah. He had my mother, his grandmother, make him a Star Wars. No, yes, yeah, Star Jedi Wars Rose. Jedi robe, and she yes. actually made that for him. So, my husband has one, and it's, has still one. A, it's still in our closet from the Phantom Menace episode one. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a thing, I guess. It's a thing. Yeah. So, um, interestingly enough, I was um, 15 when that movie came out, and it was the first thing I ever skipped school for. <laughs> go see that movie. And well, it's not good. And it's not good. <laughs> like, if I had gotten grounded over that movie, I would have been so mad because it wasn't even worth it. <sighs> but oh. I didn't get caught because, you know, I'm elite. <laughs> That's funny. So let me ask you the, my favorite on the spot question, which I think that you're more prepared for than anyone else in the history of the world. Um, what's your favorite thing about me? Your children. Asks, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. And yeah, no, no, I good. actually think that you're very compassionate and very loving and um, patient. You know, yes. so sometimes, sometimes <laughs> with me. Now, maybe not with the kids all the time. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had five; I only had three. You know what I've been wondering this whole time is is how many times mom has looked at my arm and seen that there's new color on it that I haven't shown her. Yeah, He's I, been very worried about you seeing his tattoos. Yes, I, 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 I listened to the tattoo episode and when I heard him say, I'm dying to get sleeves, I threw up in my mouth just a little bit. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's getting there. No, please, no, no, please, no. It's please. gonna happen. I, I need know. To come to terms with it. I just, I just, <laughs> and it makes me so happy. I, there's nothing I can say. But at I least, at least they will, they will be better than that other relatives. You tried, Cindy. I know you tried. I did. I tried. You did your best. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm cool with some, but come on, dude, sleeves, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's look, look. I mean, look at look at my uh, jackalope. It's a jackalope. Yeah. You know, I saw one of those when I went to Texas last week. I didn't. I didn't know you went to Texas. <laughs> I did. I went to San Antonio. Oh, I feel cool. like I saw something about that, but I I didn't remember it. All right. Well, let me ask uh, because we're getting close to the very end. Um, is there anything else you want to share with our little audience? It, don't, not that one. Don't do that one. I can't. Don't, I was going to ask. You're not going to let me do, do that one. <laughs> <laughs> I will let you show Jessica what? after we're done here. But there's got to be some stuff that I troll the audience with that they don't get to see. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. How happy it makes her <laughs> <laughs> to torture him. Yes, I know. Yeah. What can I say? 
I get I, I get my disposition honest. That's yeah, no, for real. Cam is such a troll that I'm glad to see that someone trolls him in a, at a greater level. <laughs> well, you'll you'll love this picture. I was you knew that's the first one I pulled out, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, I you know. knew. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't know. wait. <laughs> So beyond uh, I, that picture, yes, yes. Um, um, is there anything else you want to share? Yes, yeah. I think that I would like to just say to anyone out there that's had an abortion that um, that going through a, a program will help you. Every that these programs will help everybody, no matter where you are. It, whether I've had women that have gone through that were pastors' wives, I've had women that go through that weren't even believers. I've had pro-choice people, I've had pro-life people, and just know that we're out there. And no matter where you are, you will be in a better place. And it, 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 my job is addictive because people come in, and mine is twelve weeks or eleven weeks, depending. But they come in one way, and twelve weeks later. I see a different person walk out the door and you can be that person and there is hope and we can help you if you'll just show up. And, and it's just amazing. Like I said, my job's addictive. I don't want to quit. You have inspired me. I, I plan to seek out a, a program and I want you to know that you've inspired me. Well, Hey, you know, if you can't find one, just call me up. We'll zoom it right on. All right. <laughs> Or yeah. whatever it is we're on now. I think you guys are. <laughs> yeah, I do Zoom. You do yeah. Zoom? Okay. I Zoom it up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like Zoom because I'm right next to my coffee pot the whole time. I don't have to leave my house. So. Yes. Yeah. I'm into it. All right. So. <clears throat> uh, so with that, if you yes. want to find out more, read some testimonies, donate see what my mom's doing you can do that over at abortion recovery alabama.org um is there are there any other things that you want to share for people to get in touch with you or is that just the best way um to get in touch with me that'd probably be the best way and they i mean i could give them it. your number I yeah I, I i thought about it and i do have it on everything but Gee whiz, I don't know if I want everybody in the whole United States calling me. But um, <laughs> but that I did text you the Concepts of Truth International website and their telephone number. And awesome. they're 24-7. And so if you're like panicking or in the middle of something or, you know, fresh, or even if, you know, you just need somebody to talk to, that's a really great resource. And they refer awesome. to me as well. And others, not just me. Okay. All right. And so with that, I will pull you off the screen for the boring bets, but stick around so that we can chat afterwards. Um, and then I'll list off all the things coming. But I love you. That's love the first guest I get to say that to. Really. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I um, you the heart. That's a heart. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for... <laughs> thank you for expelling me from your loins and then coming on to my show. Okay. Yeah, glad it wasn't all in the same day. Yeah, that would have been, I'd be very good. <laughs> Babies come out cheesy, man. It's yeah, weird. they do. They really do. <laughs> and a little cone headed, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so 
I, thank you. I love you. I'm, I'll pull you off and then we'll go through our rigmarole. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye. All right. So the rest of you, um, we have some cool st stuff coming up. BT dubs uh, next week, Wednesday, we're going to have Monica and Brad back from the propaganda report. Awesome. Uh, I forget what day the was two, two days from now uh, about is the 20th anniversary of nine 11. We mm -hmm. thought who better to bring on to talk. Maybe we'll talk about nine 11. Maybe we won't. Who knows what happens with those two, but they'll be on next week. Uh, after that, we have the odd man out. We're going to do an episode on Jim Jones and suicide, the, that suicide cult. It's going to be, I, I've read a whole book on it, so hopefully I can drum up some memories, talk about with them. Um, and then after that, we're going to have. Having been in a cult, that's when you guys are going to want to see, because I'll talk about my cult experience. So. Ooh. And then after that, we're going to have Kate back from Burials, Burials and Beyond to talk about the uptick in spiritualism in the Gothic era, which should mm -hmm. be interesting. And then after that, we're adding on, we're starting October, which is going to be a very interesting month. It's going to, it takes the spooky in. It's There's going to be two uh, very Christian episodes about topics that are not spoken about in the way that we're going to be talking about them. But to start October off, we have Jack Luna from Dark Topic coming on to talk true crime. And he's just a great storyteller. So I'm just really thrilled to talk to him. Um, but beyond that, we have our list of things. Um, get some get some coffee, run your mouth coffee, rymcoffee.com. Use promo code THEMADONES at checkout and you will get 10% off. Um, also, eventually, we'll have cups that have our eventually, logo on them. Eventually. Once I figure it out. Um, then if you also like dried meats, uh, you can head over to righteousfelon.com. Get any beef jerky. They're all very good. That Carolina Reaper was very tasty. But the painful. turkey jerky is so good. Have you tried the turkey yet? Yeah, it's, I've tried all of them. I, the Fal I, I've just Fal been slowly working through. Um, but if you want some of that, you want to join us on our, our journey as we try different cool things from cool people, righteousfellow.com. Promo code for this one is Mad Ones. No the on that. Beyond Just that, Mad Ones. Support us if you can. We want to keep things going. We want to keep things paid for. Uh, best way to do that is patreon.com slash the Mad Ones. Um, we have a couple pa patrons over there. We want to start some perks up and some hangouts and some Zooms and stuff like that for patrons soon. Um, we're also all of my our entire backlog is on Rockfin, and we'll, we're going to start thinking about doing some exclusive stuff here or there. All of our episodes where we're talking to someone from another country are going to be on Rockfin first, and then we'll we'll stream them onto YouTube and on Odyssey. Uh, so if you want to do want to join us there, Rockfin.com/slash/the-mad-ones. Um, I am on Twitter at Cam Harless. Um, don't look that up, Mom. I know you can hear me. Uh, you'll find out that I keep that. You don't want to know because I I am a bad boy online. Um, uh, Jessica is at Soup Canarchist. Uh, pick up some merch at wearethemadones.com/store. At wearethemadones.com, uh, we you can listen to our episodes there instead of watch. Uh, they're on all podcatchers. Uh, YouTube.com/slash/themadones. We're on Odyssey, like I said before, and that's all I've got for you. That's the the whole list of things. So with that, um, be a helper. Go out, do something good. 
uh, help someone who needs it. Anything, anything from you? No, I really have to pee, so I'm ready to go. Jessica has to pee. So with that, see you next week.